0: Africa, rise and shine. Africa,
1: soul, Africa. Africa, amuka, na unai.
2: Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective coming to you live in Johannesburg, South Africa. We are on the frequencies 7230 kHz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa and on 11925 kHz on the 19 m band to West Africa as well as DSTV's Audio Bouquet Channel 802. I'm Lulu Gabu, in studio with Anne Moussa, Tabisolo Hoko and Figilelingwati. Ngwati. In our top stories, an Africa rise and shine at the Sawa, world leaders address UN General Assembly in New York. And International Criminal Court says it won't be distracted by US threats. In economics news, South Africa highlights the importance of multilateral trade system. And in sports news, Cameroon striker Christian Basogog Recall to the national team. But first up the news with Anne Musa.
3: A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussa. South African President Cyril Ramaphosa has told the UN General Assembly in New York that the country is making progress in addressing key issues including the land question and weak economic growth. Ramaphosa has praised the United Nations for continuing to offer hope to South Africans during the dark days of apartheid. He says the country is continuing to move forward in addressing the legacy of oppression and discrimination.
4: We have now embarked on a journey of transformation and we are making progress to deal with the ugly legacy of the past system of apartheid. Madiba's vision continues to guide us as we seek to improve the lives of our people in many respects, amongst others through improving the educational outcomes, ...of our youth and transforming our economy that was constituted to serve the interests of a few.
3: Congolese President Joseph Kabila has meanwhile pledged at the United Nations... ...that elections planned for December will go ahead, promising to take steps to ensure the vote is peaceful and credible. Addressing the General Assembly, Kabila said that despite the challenges of holding elections in the DRC... Everything will be done in order to ensure elections are peaceful and credible. The United States, France and Britain have urged Kabila to state clearly that he would not seek another term amid fears that his failure to step aside could trigger violence. Still at the United Nations General Assembly, Rwanda's President Paul Kagame told delegates that Africa's global position must change in response to the recent positive developments on the continent. Kagame, who is also the African Union chairperson, was the first African head of state to address Address the general debate. He cited key milestones across the continent over the past 12 months, including the signing of the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement, cessation of hostilities among countries in the Horn of Africa, and the progress made by Zimbabwe to deal with political and economic challenges. Medical charity Doctors Without Borders has issued a warning over the unprecedented levels of child mortality in southern Nigeria during the past month. It says ten children are dying per day, with most deaths linked to the surging cases of malaria or malnutrition that have forced the intensive pediatric care unit in the city of Magaria to fill up. The hospital serves a population of up to 1 million, 20 percent of whom are under five. MSF, which is known as Doctors Without Borders, says malaria cases normally rise this time of the year because of the season, but the number this year is extraordinary. And finally, Pope Francis has defended the Catholic Church's handling of cases of child abuse committed by priests. He was speaking at a news conference held on board his plane. The BBC's James Reynolds reports.
0: The pontiff referred to a recent grand jury report in the U.S. state of Pennsylvania, which revealed that more than 300 priests had abused more than 1,000 victims over a seven-decade span. The Pope said that a fall in the number of children abused in recent decades in that area showed that the Church had realized that it must fight in a different way. Francis also urged people to consider historical abuses in the context of their time, suggesting that attitudes have changed since then.
3: And that's the news, Ed at 8.30 Central African Time.
0: Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorra, Africa, Amica, Nahu
2: It's 8.05 Central African Time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa on this Wednesday, September the 26th, the 269th day of 2018, with 96 days left in the year. On to our top story. The President of the International Criminal Court says it is important not to be distracted by threats from the United States, whose national security advisor earlier this month described the ICC as illegitimate, adding that U.S. sanctions against judges and prosecutors may be forthcoming. Judge Chile Ebue Osuji told a. Ab- Abdelomem Maki of UN News that the world needed the US and the ICC adding that humanity cries for justice in line with the Rome Statute of 1998 which established the court as the bulwark against genocide, war crimes and crimes against humanity.
5: Well, the president of the ICC is something you may call the slave like chief judge of the court and um, they're basically in charge of uh, the administration generally of the court. Uh, We need to keep in mind that the president does not manage the office of the prosecutor. There's a chief prosecutor who does that, but um, we coordinate for general purposes. Uh, The president has to uh, consult the Chief Prosecutor on matters of um, mutual concern between the judiciary and the prosecution.
6: Judge Usuji, in your acceptance speech after your election as the President of the ICC in last March, you did pledge to strengthen and reinforce the Rome Statute System. Can you tell us a little bit about
5: that? It is a very important question. Thank you for asking it. This year marks the 20th anniversary of the Rome Statute, the adoption of the Rome Statute. We celebrated it on the 17th of July and it was a moment for us to go back to basics, to reflect on what the Rome Statute stands for and what the court also stands for and to ask ourselves at a global level whether the reasons why the Rome Statute was adopted in 1998, whether those concerns have ebbed in our time, whether we no longer have to worry about those, basically to check to see where we stand. Do we need to amplify efforts or do we need to ease up a little? And that reflection will lead us to say those reasons continue to bother us As we speak, and when you look around the world, you see the kinds of conflicts that produce the kinds of crimes, the kinds of violations, atrocities that the Rome Statute was uh, adopted to address. Crimes against humanity, war, crime, genocide. Those are the big ones. And you look around, you see that we still have reason to worry about occurrences of uh, those kinds of contacts.
7: Turning
6: to the U.S., the U.S. administration has indicated that it's not going to cooperate with the ICC in any way, with the National Security Advisor calling it an illegitimate court. What is your reaction to that?
5: Uh, First of all, we uh, don't want to dwell on name-calling. Calling, Calling, like you said, a so it doesn't help us get anywhere we know that old. Um, saying you you just if you want to kill a dog all you need to do is call it a bad name to make it easier for you to do so Uh, it doesn't mean that the names labeled uh, are accurate but we i don't want us to get carried away get distracted by fan development you alluded to i urge everyone to focus strongly on why the rome statute was adopted why the icc was created That is what's more important. We have to keep our eyes on the ball. We cannot be distracted by whatever reasons. Some people feel irritated by what the court does. The court will continue to do its work because that is what it was created to do. That's what gives it the reason to be. So the judges and the prosecutor must do their work. What's important is for everyone to keep in mind that there are strong systems in place around the Rome statute that ensures that there is no unfair prosecution against anyone we have different stages before the process is done beginning from preliminary examination of information that is the very beginning where the prosecutor looks to see whether there's a need to commence investigation. So that is even before investigation. So after the preliminary examination, if the prosecutor feels that she has enough information to warrant looking deeper, to kick it up to investigation stage, then the prosecutor would request the judges for authorization to open investigation. The judges will make an assessment, a judicial assessment, to see whether they should authorize investigation to continue open. If they say yes, the judges can say no or yes to that request. If they say yes, it's only yes to, okay, prosecutor, you can commence investigation. Then the prosecutor commences investigation. Mind you, we're not yet even at the indictment stage, let alone trial. It just investigate. The prosecutor may at the close of investigation decide, okay, there is nothing that warrants moving the case forward. And that's the end of it. But if she feels that there's more to a need for a closer look. Then she goes back to the judges to have them confirm an indictment she would have drafted. Again, the judges would look at it to see, should we confirm or not? If that is confirmed, then, it's only then you go to trial. And at the trial level, again, the case can be thrown out because there's not enough evidence. So there's all sorts of checks and balances before the process is done, all the way to appeal. Uh, you can, a case that is tried, and judges... Convict on appeal, the appeal judges can say no. Uh, we quash the um, conviction and reverse. So it is a long process, and there's no need for people to get carried away at the beginning of the process, even before any uh, preliminary examination or investigation is begun.
2: That's Judge Chile Eboe Osuji, President of the International Criminal Court, speaking to UN Radio's Abdelmonem Maki. South Africa's President Sul Ramaphosa has urged the international community to resist any and all efforts to undermine the multilateral approach to international trade, which is essential to the promotion of stability and predictability in the global economy. He was speaking at the UN General Assembly for the first time as head of state. President Ramaphosa also used his address to affirm the central role of the UN while questioning its Efficacy in meeting the needs of the millions who look to it to change their lives for the better. Amos Paho reports from New York.
1: President Ramaphosa described the United Nations as a beacon of promise in a landscape of doubt and cautioned that its future success depend on it becoming a truly democratic global parliament of the people.
4: It is within our hands as the leaders assembled here today To forge a more representative, equal and fair United Nations that is empowered and equipped to lead the struggle to end poverty, unemployment and inequality in the world.
1: The President once again clarified the question of land reform to the global community and the current challenges that have undermined the country's economic trajectory both at
4: home and abroad. We must resist any and all efforts to undermine the multilateral approach to international trade which is essential to the promotion of stability and predictability to the global economy. The history of the global economy informs us that no country can prosper at the expense of all others and that no people can hope to live in comfort as well as in security for as long as millions of others languish in poverty. It is therefore essential that we take collective responsibility for the development of all nations and for the improvement of the lives of all people.
1: Some of the heads of state and government who spoke during the session include U.S. President Donald Trump. President Trump was greeted with laughter at the beginning of his speech as he boasted about his administration's accomplishments.
8: In less than two years, my administration has accomplished more than almost any administration in the history of our country. America's so true. Didn't expect that reaction, but that's okay. He then
1: went straight to real issues, amongst them the status of the Human Rights Council, accusing it of shielding human rights violations while bashing America and its allies.
8: We withdrew from the Human Rights Council, and we will not return until real reform is enacted.
1: Trump also took a swipe at International Criminal Court, accusing it of selective justice.
8: As far as America is concerned, the ICC has no jurisdiction, no legitimacy, and no authority. The ICC claims near-universal jurisdiction over the citizens of every country, violating all principles of justice, fairness, and due process. We will never surrender America's sovereignty to an unelected, unaccountable global bureaucracy.
1: Despite a harsh tackle on the UN rights and justice bodies, Trump reiterated America's commitment to global peace and prosperity. President Ramaphosa held bilateral talks with the UN Secretary-General and the leaders of Nigeria and Cuba on the sidelines of the UN meeting. I'm am Amos Pao in New York. Channel
9: Africa.
1: Addis
10: reporting
0: for Africa Africa, rise and shine.
11: I'm Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia.
0: This is Simon Muchema in Harare, Zimbabwe.
6: Jean Noel Channel Africa, Kinshasa.
0: From an African perspective. Listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Sesotho, Portuguese and Chinyanja. This is Moki Kinzaka in Yaounde, informing the world about Africa.
11: Ntakwana Ngatani in Mohalizuk Lesotho. And I am Dana Wanyonyi for Channel Africa in Mombasa. <laughs>
2: South Africa's Home Affairs Minister Malusa Kigaba has announced the relaxation of visa regulations as part of President Ramaphosa's stimulus package aimed at reviving the economy. This includes the easing of travel regulations for foreign miners travelling to South Africa and plans to issue out long-term multiple entry visas to investors and academics. The department says it will issue an international travel advisory before the end of October. Kigaba briefed the media in Pretoria. Pumzul reports.
9: The relaxed travel regulations are aimed at reviving the tourism and business sectors in the country. Foreign miners travelling to the country will no longer be required to prove parental consent but they advise to carry the travel document as immigration officials will insist on it with the exception of high risk situations. Minister Gigaba says the amendment won't apply to South African minors.
6: South African minors, however, will still be required to prove parental consent when leaving our borders, as is required by the Children's Act. These changes will be implemented in good time for the festive season, when many people will be travelling with children. We will train immigration officials on on the revised regulations to ensure smooth implementation.
9: says plans for a minor passport for South Africans are in the pipeline.
6: We now are ready to issue a new minor passport, which on the last page contains parents or guardians particulars, because this passport will contain the details of the parents or the guardians of the minor child, of the minor. If you are in possession of this passport, it will do away with the requirement to carry the the birth certificate
9: a critical skills review list with other government departments, academics, business and organized labor is in the final stages. This will also include the granting of foreign students who fall under the critical skill category permanent visas. Investors and academics will also be granted long-term visas.
6: should be able to issue uh, not only business people but academics as well with long-term 10-year multiple entry visas. With regard to BRICS, to BRICS countries, BRICS business people um, we, 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 we will um, who require visas to South Africa, uh, that is India and China, will be issued with a 10-year multiple-entry visa within five days of application.
9: Meanwhile, negotiations on visa waiver agreements for ordinary passport holders in some African, Middle East, Eastern Europe and the Caribbean are being finalized. I am Pumzilim Langini in Pretoria.
2: Affidavits submitted to the South African Revenue Services Commission of Inquiry indicate that Bain and company presented suspended SARS Commissioner Tom Moyani with a plan to neutralize staff members who were opposed to the changes at SARS. Bain's former managing director, Vittorio Masoni, met with Moyani to discuss plans to change the SARS restructure even before Moyani was appointed as SARS Commissioner. A SARS commission of Inquiry is sitting for public hearings in Pretoria. Naledi Ngobo reports.
12: Bain's first report to Moyani suggested that there was an over-concentration of power around the Chief Operating Officer's position at SARS. The COO position was occupied by Barry Hall at the time. Hall resigned three months after Moyani's appointment as SARS Commissioner. Following several other meetings between Moyani and Bain representatives, Moyani fired a number of executives at SARS. Evidence leader advocate Carol Steinberg read email correspondence between Ben's employees which included former partner Victoria Masson.
13: There's an email from Fabrice Franson to Mr. Mazzoni. and it forwards him the media alert of Mr. Barry Hall's resignation and he writes Goodbye, Barry Hall. dot, dot, dot. Now, Mazzoni responds saying, now I'm scared by Tom. This guy was supposed to be untouchable and it took Tom just a few weeks to make him resign. Scary.
12: Masson's legal representative says he has relocated to Italy and will not be appearing before the inquiry due to health challenges. Masson resigned following his previous testimony before the commission. It had emerged that he met with Moyani before he was awarded the restructuring tender at SARS. Jawaid Babamina is Masson's legal representative.
14: He's relocated to Italy from Dubai. He's been traveling to South Africa on a regular basis for purpose of this commission of inquiry. Two particular periods was the week of the 10th and the 17th of September, and what was always intended was for him to go back on those particular weekends. His legal representatives consulted with him on Thursday, the 20th of September, the same day that he was meant to go back to Italy. It became manifest to his legal representatives that he was unwell.
12: Advocate Steinberg says Messon's affidavit shows that Bain had planned restructuring changes at SARS before ever setting foot at the revenue collector. She says Messon's affidavit indicates that Bain would offer executive coaching to Moyane before he was appointed as SARS commissioner.
13: He speaks about a number of meetings in the in, in, in this context. He says um, that he was told that Moyani had the ambition to become the next commissioner of SARS, which position had recently become vacant following the resignation of Opal Magashula in, in July 2013. And the purpose of the introduction today was for Bain to advise Moyani on how to achieve his professional goals.
12: South's revenue shortfall went up to 50 billion rand during Moyani's tenure as commissioner. I'm Naledi Ngobo in Pretoria.
2: South Africa's ruling ANC chairperson Greta Mandashe has urged South Africans and the party to preserve the knowledge and legacy of the late Minister of Environmental Affairs Edna Mulewa. Mandashe, former President Jacob Zuma and other government ministers, as well as ANC senior officials, visited the home of the late minister at Watercluth in Pretoria last night. Mulewa died in a Pretoria hospital at the weekend from an Extremely acute form of pneumonia, Fanwell Schumer reports.
11: Um, when I received the news of the passing on of Comrade Edna, I felt pain deep down in my heart. I felt um, numb.
15: Messages of condolences are continuing to pour in. As the African National Congress, the South African government and the global community paid tribute to Dr. Edna Mulewam. Many say her role in government will never be forgotten. Mineral Resources Minister and also Chairperson of the ruling party Gwede Mantashem described Mulewam as an intellectual who had a broad understanding in a range of issues. He says there's a better way to preserve her legacy. The only way we can preserve that uh, knowledge is by moving away from just electing people on the base of popularity and begin to move to a stage of selection and election, where people get put into positions on the basis of their capabilities and their skills, and not just because they are popular and they are loved. And that will help us not only as the institute but also as the country, because Today, we can't depend on who shouts many slogans. We need people who have the analytical capabilities and ability to make sense. President of the ANC Women's League, Batabile Dlaminim, described Mulewam as someone who championed the rights of women without any fear.
11: And as she would be one of those that would assist us in coining our points of gender equality and also in trying to say to us women's rights are human rights, and also saying women do have capacity and they understand their issues.
15: Her colleague, Minister of Small Business Development, Lindiwe Zulum, says Molewam is one of the most diligent women she had ever worked with in the ANC-led government.
12: She was one of the most organized women that I came across in the liberation struggle in the African National Congress. Why I say that is simply because Usis Edna, as I always used to call her, if there is something that needs to be done, she would want it to be done orderly. She would want the documents to be proper. She would want each and every T to be crossed and every I to be dotted. Those are the things that I learned from
15: her. A series of memorial services will be held in her honor as of tomorrow and next week before she will be laid to rest at the Zanfontein Cemetery in Petoria North next week Saturday. Fanuel Schumer, SABC News Petorium.
6: Remembering Mama Albertina Sisulu.
12: We will say whatever we are expected to say by the people and we are aligning ourselves with the struggle for the people. We are aligning ourselves with the struggle for the liberation of the oppressed people of this country.
1: Hashtag
0: Centenary. Channel Africa, leading the Women's Month Conversations. Channel Africa.
9: Kuluta joyf Addis Ababa.
3: Silva
10: Noskamera reporting
0: for Channel Africa in Kigali, Africa Rise and Shine.
11: I am Hilda at in Zambia.
0: This is Simon Muchema in Harare, Zimbabwe. Jean Noel
6: Bamwisi Channel Africa Kinshasa.
0: From an African perspective. Listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja. This is Moki Kinzaka. In Yawundi, informing the world about Africa. In
11: Lesotho, and I am Dana Wanyonyi for Channel Africa in Mombasa.
2: Let's go back in time to today in 2004. Armed militiamen surge into a border area near a western village, where some of the first Dafur refugees attempting to return to their raided homes headed, raising further concern about how quickly 1.4 million displaced Sudanese will be able to return home, today in history in the year 2004. It's 8.30 Central African time and our headlines up next with Anne Moussa.
3: A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musa. the headlines, opposition parties in Lesotho pull out of the SADC-recommended reform process, demanding that government sets aside the suspension of the chief justice. South African President Cyril Ramaphosa tells the UN General Assembly in New York that the country is making progress in addressing key issues, including the land question, and weak economic growth. And Ghana and the United States of America reach a deal to deport undocumented Canadian immigrants. Those are the stories making headlines.
2: Thank you. And South Africa's Science and Technology Minister Mamuluko Kubain Gubani says a bill to protect and promote indigenous knowledge is very close to becoming law and only needs the president's assent. Indigenous knowledge is currently not protected by South Africa's intellectual property law. Kubain Gubani was the keynote speaker at the 2018 Indigenous Knowledge Systems International Conference in Pretoria. The three-day event is being held under the theme, protecting indigenous Indigenous knowledge towards socio-economic development. Maluti Obuseing reports.
7: The conference is attended by 250 local and international professionals. Indigenous knowledge experts and researchers involved in using Indigenous knowledge to improve the quality of life in rural communities. According to Science and Technology Minister kubain Kubani, the Protection, Promotion, Development and Management of Indigenous Knowledge Bill seeks to provide legal protection for Indigenous knowledge. The
16: Protection and Promotion of Indigenous Knowledge Bill has been passed by Parliament and it now awaits ascension by the president to become law. The bill is the first strategic driver. The primary objective of the bill is to facilitate the protection of indigenous knowledge and the restoration and recognition of indigenous knowledge relating to and owned by the indigenous communities of South Africa.
7: Kubayi Ngubani further told delegates that the bill will address a number of areas of concern regarding the country's indigenous knowledge systems.
16: The bill will provide South Africa and the region an opportunity to provide its international knowledge and cultural heritage. The second strategic priority, as well as an important provision in the IK bill, is the development of a registration system that is referred to in clause 16 of the bill for the collection, recording, documenting, storage, management, and dissemination of indigenous knowledge system in communities across all nine of our provinces.
7: Minister Kubayi Ngubani says the intention is to ensure that indigenous communities of the country are protected.
16: This protection will ensure that the social economic benefit arising from utilisation utilizing indigenous knowledge as a communal resource will flow back into the local communities who are the generators and custodians of this knowledge the department of science and technology has prioritized four essential strategic drivers in the areas of iks so that it can be translated into an economic asset for socioeconomic development for communities
7: the conference is hosted in partnership with various stakeholders such as council on science and industrial research and various institutions of higher learning. We, Tumelo Semete, represented the CSIR at the conference.
12: How we do what we do is that we focus a lot on scaling up of the technologies. So if we work with an indigenous knowledge holder or with the university that has shown that at a small scale they're able to develop a product. Our role as CSR um, is to ensure that we can then scale that up. And we know from a science perspective that changing just volumes from one volume to another is a complex process, it's not very simple. So we bring our process engineers, we bring our scientists on board and we say how do we help you to scale up.
7: Northwest University's Philip
17: Iya.
12: Because of the theme of
7: this
6: conference,
12: participants will take
6: place to take this opportunity and develop a that emerge from priority problems identified. Within our local
15: communities.
7: The outcomes of the conference will contribute to various government programs of action to alleviate poverty through the recognition and use of local resources, including indigenous knowledge. I'm Maloud Ubuseng in Pretoria.
2: Land degradation, soil management, and the recently experienced drought in South Africa some of the issues that land users and experts are expected to discuss during the three-day National Conference on Land Care in Bloemfontein. South Africa's Minister of Agriculture, Forestry and Fisheries, Sen Zenizogwana, says the aim of the conference is to optimize productivity and sustainability of natural resources leading to greater productivity. Ismail Budiba reports from Bloemfontein.
17: Land degradation is a threat to food security in countries of the world And the recently experienced devastating drought also makes the situation worse Minister of Agriculture, Forestry and Fisheries Senzeni Zokwana says Some alien species like wattle also make the situation worse Where the trees also absorb more water and affects grazing Zokwana says South Africa has been doing its bit to fight against land degradation But more can be done
1: Land care is the process by which we bring back to usage Land that has been de- de- degraded as a reason of different phenomena, including the phenomenon of, of, of droughts as well as uh, the phenomenon of, of climate change, which results sometimes in the formation of Dongas. Therefore, the program therefore is to bring back that land, and we do that in cooperation with our private uh, uh, participants. But to succeed, we rely more on communities around which this work takes place.
17: It is estimated that a large percentage of the world's agricultural land is seriously degraded. A senior researcher for world agroforestry in Kenya, Dennis Garetti, says to turn the situation around, communities must be involved.
8: But South Africa, like many other countries in Africa and around the world, are in fact having land degradation on millions of hectares. But the good story is that land care, a grassroots approach, involves the communities to address these problems because, in fact, you have to start with the people who live on the land. And that's why we're here at this South African Land Care Conference to draw together all of the heroic people who are involved in land care programs across the country to directly address the land degradation problems.
17: Another land expert, also from Kenya, Joseph Tanui, is an advocate for community participation.
1: But through community action we are seeing answers that local level uh, action is able to elicit. We've been through the support of the South African government been able to link different countries within Eastern and Central Africa and now even Western Africa, Nigeria, Ghana and uh, Cameroon are coming on board.
17: A Limpopo farmer, Pauline Maleka says part of her challenge is the lack of rain which affects their production.
12: We have to do the crop rotation every year. Yes. For instance, if I planted spinach this year on a hectare, next time I must plant something like beetroots, green peppers or green green onions or whatever as crop rotation so that the soil must not be affected.
17: The three-day conference is expected to adopt resolutions for the best practice models on how to prevent soil erosion. I'm Ishmael Mudiba in Bloemfontein.
2: Up to four people take their lives every day in Kenya, according to the country's health ministry. Despite its high prevalence, suicide still carries a heavy stigma, which in turn makes it even more difficult for vulnerable people to access the care they need. The BBC's Pauline Odiambo has been speaking to survivors and experts in Nairobi about the legal and societal barriers preventing people
11: from seeking help. To those who first meet her, Rosalind, a mother of three, appears content. What no one knows is that she has tried to take her own life multiple times. For many years, it was a dark secret that she kept from everyone close to her, including her teenage children.
14: I have attempted to commit suicide in the past four times um, as a result of extreme depression. Um... That's one of the challenges in a condition I have called bipolar. Initially, um, I've been very shy in sharing about the suicide attempts. I mean, people have come to visit me in hospital, and um, I'm sure they've put two and two together, that she must have tried to, to overdose herself or something. But it would not be a discussion when they'd come to see me, and I was better and able to talk. we talk about everything else, but wouldn't talk about what brought me to hospital. It would be just the depression, but not that there was, I had actually been in a, um, a suicide attempt. Because I felt extremely ashamed, extremely, extremely ashamed of myself that I wasn't able to be strong enough to overcome it. And I, would, I did not want to put myself out there to be judged. Um, so I didn't share with
11: many people. According to the Health Ministry, 1,400 people die by suicide every year in Kenya. And the country's legal framework plays a role in preventing people from accessing the necessary care. Kenya's penal code defines attempted suicide as a misdemeanor. It is punishable by a jail term of up to two years or a fine or both. Health experts say laws on suicide must change to encourage communities to work together and help prevent it. Dr. Catherine Mutisia is a psychiatrist in Nairobi.
9: I know there are plans to um, decriminalize suicide, but it's a process because uh, it takes a real process by the time you change the laws. But uh, the fact that it's still a crime makes more people not access treatment. So like if I attempt suicide, I may not want to talk about it, and so I may not be able to access treatment. So by it being a crime, reduces access to treatment, and also for other people who we could have prevented from suicide, might not be assisted because it's not being talked about openly. More magistrates and judges in Kenya are recognizing that uh, these are people who need mental health services and they refer them to a hospital for treatment.
11: Yes. Put some makeup on. In twenty thirteen, oh, a close friend invited Rosalind to join a support group, a safe space where she could share her story and find others to lean on who had faced a battle similar to her own. When I
14: was eventually able to, to vent out I felt a huge sense of relief. I felt that I was not alone. I felt a huge connection with members of my uh, support group because they were dealing with this issue intimately. When you meet someone who's been where you are and has tried to kill themselves before and they're telling you it's going to be okay, my friend, it's going to be okay because someone has gone through it and come out on the other side.
11: Testimonies like Rosalind's show the impact of discretionary medical care and safe support networks. These channels can make all the difference for those vulnerable people struggling through trying times. But her story also highlights the pressing and vital need for a shift away from blame and prosecution around suicide in Kenya. That report by the BBC's Pauline Odiambo.
6: Remembering Mama Albertina Sisulu.
12: We will say whatever we are expected to say by the people. And we are aligning ourselves with the struggle for the people. We are aligning ourselves with the struggle for the liberation of the oppressed people of this country.
1: Hashtag
0: Mama Centenary. Channel Africa leading the Women's Month
8: conversations.
0: Rise and Shine
1: Africa, Zola Africa, Amika, Na Unai
2: Economics Update Up next with Tabi Solohoko.
10: Good morning. South African President rights... Maposa will engage in a number of activities in New York aimed at drumming up support for the country's economic growth. This includes discussions with dozens of business leaders as well as presentations on investment opportunities in South Africa. The activities come as South Africa's economy remains stagnant, characterized by a weak rand and higher fuel prices. During his address at the United Nations General Assembly, Ramaphosa called on the international community to support the continent's economic growth initiatives.
4: We are pursuing an economic path that draws on the resources and capabilities of all our people to eradicate poverty, unemployment and inequality. We are determined through our international relations to be a force for progress, for good, for peace and global equality and will continue to advance the interests of the African continent and the global south.
10: Zimbabwe Airways has been merged with the Troubled Air Zimbabwe, Simba Chikore, the son-in-law. Former President Robert Mugabe took a lead last year in the establishment of Air Zimbabwe, allegedly using state funds meant for Zimbabwe Airways. This in a murky deal which left many believing the former First Air family owned the airline. Plans to establish the airline, however, hit headwinds after Mugabe was toppled last November by the military. Samuel Muchemwa reports from Harare.
0: The Zimbabwean government announced on Monday the entire transport system will be revamped soon in a bid to improve ease of doing business. In his address to the media on Monday, Transport Minister Joel begima Matiza bemoaned lack of infrastructure development, making the country's transport system a death trap. While rail transport remains the most effective in Zimbabwe, the sector has collapsed, forcing travelers to rely on road transport.
10: I had with the South African. Ratings Agency Fitch says South African President Cyril Ramaphosa's multi-billion US dollar plan to turn around the economy will do little to lift the country's sluggish economic growth rate. South Africa's latest economic plan is unlikely to deliver a significant boost to economic growth, which rates a foreign and local currency debt at sub-investment, adding that the RAND's recent plunge will also hinder the plan. Fitch says that the plan does include measures that could support growth the maximum cost of loan remains unchanged after the central bank of kenya retained the base lending rate at nine percent amidst the specter of inflationary pressure following a raft of new customer taxes the policy committee the monetary policy committee held the benchmark rate despite possible pressure on the kenyan shilling after the expiry of the international monetary fund cushion the committee says that the current monetary policy stance has protected the currency, the king and shilling, and reduced the threat of money-driven inflation. The MPC cut the rate by 50 basis points at its last setting in July to boost the economy, pricing maximum loans at 13%. The U.S. dollar trades at 10.45 Botswana pula. It's at 11.88 Zambian Guacha. In BRICS currencies, the U.S. dollar is trading at 4.9 Brazilian real, at 65.78 Russian ruble, and at 72.69 Indian rupee, 6.86 Chinese yuan, 14.36 to the South African rand. 76 pence to the British pound, 85 cents to the euro. Gold is trading at $1,201. Platinum, $825 pounds. The price of brand crude oil is at uh, $81.85 a barrel. From an African perspective, money name is
2: A sports update up next with Figi Lilingwati.
0: First up in our sports update, it's football news. Cameroon National Football side forward Cristiano Basogog has been recalled to the national team by new coach Clarence Seidoff. He was left out of Seidoff's first squad with the coach declaring... Good young players don't compete in China. Basogog plays for Henan Jianye in the China Super League, but has been picked by Seidoff for the indomitable Lions matches with Malawi in October. But there is no place in the lineup for former captain Benjamin Muganjo, who also plays in China. He announced his retirement from international football after being left out for Seidoff's first game in charge, a one-all draw with Comoros. Fresh from successfully defending the Kosafa Women's Championship title and winning it a record five times, South Africa's senior women's football team, Banyana Banyana, will travel to Chile to face the host nation in two international friendly matches. The first feature will take place on the 6th of October. The second clash will follow three days later, the 9th of October. Coach Desiree Ellis has welcomed the friendlies, saying it will be vital preparations for the upcoming 2018 Africa Cup of Nations tournament in November.
16: Very excited, coming so soon after the KosaFA Cup, it uh, really helps us in our preparation um, to see where we're at then a couple of weeks later. And, um, you know, also a different continent, having to play against a team that maybe plays a different uh, type of football, so it all helps with the growing of the team.
0: And in rugby news, Springbok and Saracen's tight-haired prop Vincent Koch believes he has matured tremendously both physically and mentally since moving abroad three years ago. Koch, who has excelled at the English club, says the biggest lesson learned has been to work hard.
18: Yeah, it's, been, it's my third season overseas now. Um, definitely grown as a player. Um, if it's mentally and physical, physical as well, um, I think um, I became more mature. And yeah, I think what they taught me at that side is just to work harder. Um, something that I, I think lacked in my past um, and what they just brought out. So um, definitely as a player, working harder off the ball, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, definitely just I think I've become a, a better player, like I said, physical and mentally as well.
0: The 28-year-old Gogh says he didn't expect the call-up to the Springbok team but says the welcome has been warm and he has a lot to learn under the tenure of Rassi Erasmus.
18: Yes, yeah, it's just a great honour being back. Um, I didn't really expect it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just amazing being back. Um, the guys and the coaches and everything welcomed me with open arms. Um, you know, arrived yesterday and it's just been amazing. Um, uh, a lot to learn though, um, but yeah, definitely support from, like I said, the coaches and all the players as well.
0: In cricket News, Proteas batsman Dean Elgar has been added to the one-day international the ODI squad to take on Zimbabwe in the three-match series starting in Kimberley in South Africa's North, Northern Cape province on Sunday. Elgar replaces Hashim Amla, who has been ruled out of the series due to a finger injury. CSA National Selection Panel, the NSP convener Linda Zondi says Elgar's recent form and experience will be added value at the top of the order. Meanwhile, Keshav Maharaj has been released from the ODI squad and will play for the Dolphins in the first round four-day competition fixture against the Titans, starting at SuperSport Park in Centurion in South Africa's capital, Pretoria, today. That's Sport News, this hour. Africa, rise and shine.
1: Africa, so, Africa, amika, na, unai.
2: Recapping our top stories on Africa, rise and shine at this hour. World leaders address UN General Assembly in New York. And the International Criminal Court says it won't be distracted by US threats. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. From myself, Lulu Gabu, producers Pumutura Magadza and Jane Rabutata, technical producer Mario Edwards, and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info at channelafrica.org, or WhatsApp on 277 or tweet us at Rise Shine Africa. Taking us to the top of the hour for the news, on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41-meter band 2 Southern Africa is Ali Kiba with a song titled Mbumo Waradi. <laughs>
19: We shall go and find a Rwanda, the Zambia and Mozambique, Ghana mpaka Nigeria, Cameroon, Sudan Paka, Somalia, Africa, Africans, we Tupendane Tupendane, madu penane, madu i boss, lady, you my boss baby. tell wife material, my honey bunny. honey bunny, wanna banana? Yeah, wote wanachi. Wanna Pensé en mí